The Sixers lost for the uh, the excuse me the Suns lost for the first time with Kevin Durant in the lineup. That was uh, the first playoff game. I was in Game One of the series against the Clippers. Out to the KDUS hotline we go and to go around the uh, first round of the NBA playoffs and talk some Suns from yesterday. We're now joined in Sports Zone by Kyle Irving of the Sporting News. And Kyle, good to have you on the show. And uh, let's start with the Suns. They had not lost a game one in any playoff series with Chris Paul until Sunday. What stood out to you during the Clippers? They had the nine-point second-half rally, and they really dominated the fourth quarter. So what stood out to you? I think the biggest thing to me and where the Suns kind of lost that game was there was probably a five-minute stretch in the fourth quarter where Kevin Durant didn't take a shot. And, you know, DeAndre Aiden had that little mid-range jumper push shot going. And, obviously, you know, him and Kawhi Leonard were guarding each other on both ends of the floor. And, you know, when you have Kawhi Leonard draped all over you, it's tough to get someone like Kevin Durant's ball. But at the same time, you know, that's why he brought him in, and that's why they traded all the draft picks and all the assets they did to acquire a player of his caliber. And I thought he did a great job of playmaking for his teammates and, you know, kind of taking what was there and what was available to him without having to force anything. But at the same time, you know, one session game late in the fourth quarter – it's unacceptable for Kevin Durant to only take one shot attempt in the last seven minutes of the game. So, you know, him and Kawhi Leonard are going to expend a lot of energy guarding each other on both ends of the floor, especially in the game's biggest moments the way they were last night. But I still think that, you know, that's where someone like Chris Paul comes in and has to find a way to get Kevin Durant a touch and get him, in, you know, get him a good look uh, down the stretch of the game when, you know, really the Suns kind of let that one slip away. Okay, kind of answered my second question first, which is fine, but I'll just kind of uh... – you know, kind of uh, expand here a bit. Obviously, the playoffs, a lot of it's about adjustments from game to game. So other than getting Durant the ball down the stretch, what do the Suns most need to do differently in Tuesday's game two? I think what the Suns need to do is just to make sure that someone other than Kawhi Leonard isn't beating them. You know, I thought Kawhi looked incredible yesterday. He, over the last month or so, has really found his rhythm again. He looks like he's fully recovered from that ACL injury that kept him out all last year. Um, you know, he was getting to his spots. He's so surgical. Everything looks so easy and effortless when he's getting it done on the offensive end, and he's still such a pest on the defensive end. But, you know, I mean, they had guys like Norman Powell pouring in points off the bench. they got to keep Vicka Zubac off the glass. Uh, Russell Westbrook, who, you know, shot three for 19, but really just seemed like he wanted it more than anybody else on the floor at the end of the night last night, coming up with defensive stops. He pulled down a couple of huge offensive rebounds, had a massive kick out to Kawhi for three. That kind of felt like a dagger in that game. It's making sure that, you know, with Paul George out of the lineup, it can't be other players that are beating this Suns team. Kawhi Leonard is going to get his, but you need to make sure that guys like Westbrook and guys like Norman Powell, uh, guys like Zubas, aren't doing the damage they did yesterday because the Suns just don't have the same depth that the Clippers do, even though their starting five is as good as anybody's in the league. Is there anything you think that Monty Williams could do differently? Um, I mean, to me, I feel like with Monty Williams, I feel like the Suns yesterday, they, they did a good job of getting Devin Booker and Kevin Durant their shots. They did a good job distributing the offense evenly, and that's, you know, a lot of that credit goes to Chris Paul as well. But I think that it really is just kind of making sure that you're taking the ball out of Kawhi Leonard's hands and, and making life a little bit more difficult for him, whether that's throwing multiple bodies at him, making sure, you know, guys like Kevin Durant and Torrey Craig are both seeing some reps on him so that way it's not just all on KD to play on both ends of the floor. I also think that, you know, on the offensive end, like I was saying, it's just trying to get creative and running different sets to make sure that Kevin Durant can get some open looks because, you know, last night, even in the fourth quarter when he was knocking down some shots, 
it felt like those were really tough shots where he's just, you know, it's good offense for uh, up against solid defense. But, you know, whether it's setting screens or finding ways to free him up and create some space away from Kawhi Leonard, um, you know, it feels like that's probably the answer of just trying to make sure that everybody's getting touches on offense and that way it's not so predictable when they're trying to get the ball to Kevin in the fourth quarter. Kyle Irving of the Sporting News, currently in the sports. Um, all right, the Bucks lost game one and lost Giannis at least for the majority of that game to a back injury against the Heat. How do we evaluate this series moving forward? I know Giannis, a big question, needless to say, but Tyler Hero also is out uh, indefinitely after breaking two fingers on his shooting hand. So how do we uh, how do we move on in this uh, series uh, as far as trying to evaluate it? Me yesterday it really did feel like the Bucks were kind of uh, you know <laughs> to use what Jimmy Butler had posted on his Instagram uh, last night after they came away with the win. Uh, they looked like a deer in headlights after Giannis went down, and, and you know obviously it's tough to replace a player like that. But the Bucks are still such a deep team with players like Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton. Uh, Brooke Lopez, and it just didn't really feel like they ever found a rhythm after Giannis went out of the lineup. Uh, the Heat brought the energy yesterday, which is something that we didn't really see from them in either of their first two playing tournament games. You know, they're not afraid of the Bucs. They've beaten this team in a playoff series before. They like to play real physical, and I think we saw that yesterday. Drew Holiday got in a little bit of foul trouble in the first half. But to me, like you said, it's massive for the Heat to lose Tyler Harrow. I mean, that's a, that's a fractured hand on his, on his shooting hand. And the Heat already had the worst offensive rating of any team in the NBA playoffs going into this. They struggled to score in the half court, and I thought they did a good job of picking up the pace yesterday to kind of make up uh, for what they lack on the offensive end in the half court. Jimmy Butler is obviously an incredible player in the playoffs, but you know, losing a player like Tyler Harrell for likely the entire postseason, uh, they said he's going to be out for four to six weeks. Um, you know, they're going to have to find offense in, in other areas, and I think that the Bucs, you know, whether Giannis plays in game two or not, and it does seem like he's trending and being available for game two, uh, the, the Heat are going to have to find ways to make up that offensive output because Tyler Harrow averages 20 points per game. He's their third leading scorer, and that's already their biggest weakness. The Lakers uh, win game one at Memphis, and John Morant unable to return with his hand injury. Uh, the Lakers, they're now two-and-a-half-to-one favorites in this series to advance. Memphis already without Adams and Clark. Is there any way they can slow down AD in this series? Yeah, that was the biggest, you know, blow to the Grizzlies, and it doesn't seem like it would be that much of a difference. But losing somebody like Stephen Adams, just a big physical body, who really could make life rough for Anthony Davis, who at times, you know, doesn't seem like he wants to play physical unless he has a serious advantage the way that we saw yesterday. Uh, you know, I think the Grizzlies, they do still have a shot because, they shoot the ball a lot better than the Lakers usually. You know, John Moran is such a dynamic player, but he's dealing with a hand injury himself. But, you know, without someone like Steven Adams or without another big man, another versatile big man like Brandon Clark, that's a lot of pressure on Jaron Jackson Jr. to make up, you know, the entire Lakers sung for it. And they tried some different things yesterday, you know, playing him off of Anthony Davis to kind of put him in almost like a free safety role where he can kind of protect the rim and not really have to worry about that one-on-one matchup. But then you're asking a lot out of guys like Xavier Tillman and Santi Aldama, who, you know, really shouldn't be forced to put, be put in that big of a spot in the playoffs. So I actually do think the advantage swings to the Lakers here. On top of that, just with the postseason experience that LeBron James has, you know, he never looked flustered in that game. And I feel like that confidence is instilled in players across the board like Rui Hachimura and Austin Reeves, who stepped up the way that they did yesterday. So. You know, if the Lakers are going to be getting contributions from the other guys the way that they did on top of the performance that Anthony Davis had, the Grizzlies are in trouble. 
Going back to Saturday, the Kings, they rallied from 10 down late in the third quarter. They really could completely outplayed the Warriors in the fourth quarter of that game. Are, are the more experienced Warriors in trouble after losing game one? And what happens tonight in game two in your mind? I always felt like that was going to be a tough one for the the Warriors to win in the first place because, you know, we knew the Golden 1 Center was going to be absolutely rocking in their first playoff game in 16 years. That fan base has been waiting so long for that, and the Warriors have struggled on the road all season. But at the same time, the Warriors also have the longest streak in NBA history. I think it's 27 consecutive series where they've won at least one road playoff game, and I actually do think that that win comes tonight. Uh, You know, the the Kings have been one of the best fourth-quarter teams all year, and De'Aaron Fox feels like a shoe-in to win clutch player of the year but you know when we saw them step up in the fourth quarter they don't they don't shy away from that moment but I also think that you know the Warriors they kind of played a flawed game in the fourth quarter the other night Stephen Curry was able to get his look so you know someone like Andrew Wiggins who's been out for two months and I thought he played really well for somebody that had been out for two months but he shot one for eight from three including a wide open look that could have won the game in the final seconds to me that's a shot that I feel like goes down if he had been you know getting his normal reps and they've been in rhythm the way that we saw in the last NBA playoffs and it's just kind of marginal things like that that I feel like the Warriors will adjust. And, you know, that, that Kings team, they're not going to be afraid of this matchup. I feel like they almost feel disrespected that they're the underdogs in this series. Um, but, you know, that's what it's like when you're going up against the dynasty like the Warriors are. And, you know, I think that with players like Malik Monk, who, you know, exploded off the bench the other night, Draymond Green said it himself, that, that they just can't afford that. The Warriors can't afford that. But it's also not something that they expect to happen every game. And, you know, I think when, with the adjustments the Warriors will make going into tonight, I feel like Golden State gets it done in game two. Talking NBA playoffs with Kyle Irving of the Sporting News. The Knicks, they led most of the game at Cleveland, then they fell behind, but the Knicks made the big plays in the final moments, especially Jalen Brenson. Do you now do you now expect New York to win this series? And what can Cleveland do, or do how can they get Mobley and Allen Moore involved uh, in game two? To me, it felt like Mobley and Allen weren't really ready for the physicality that the Knicks had brought all season. Um, you know, Mitchell Robinson and Julius Randle have done a great job of roughing up front courts all year. And it kind of almost felt like they were scared of the moment a little bit. Um, and then, you know, you have someone like the Knicks who, or someone like Jalen Brunson, who that's exactly why the Knicks brought him in to step up in clutch time. Um, but, you know, Donovan Mitchell had an incredible game in game one. I feel like he held his weight. I expected a little bit more out of. Darius Garland, and you know whether that's being able to set up his big men and put them in a position to be successful, uh, off of dribble drives the way that he has all year, finding them in the dunker spot, throwing lobs. Um, you know, it didn't really seem like the Cavaliers kind of got into that type of rhythm offensively. A lot more of it was kind of Donovan Mitchell being as great as he is, bailing them out. So I think it's for the Cavs. It's kind of just you know getting back to what they did all season, which is you know all four of those guys adding contributions to this team. Um, and, uh, you know, the Knicks are a good team. They're physical. They're not the defensive team that they were last year. They've actually relied on their offense a little bit more this year, which is, you know, not as atypical as a Tom Thibodeau team. Um, but, you know, I still think the Cavaliers are the more talented team in this series. I had originally taken the Cavaliers to win this series in seven games. I still feel like that's probably the way that it's going to trend. But I still think this is going to be one of the best series that we've seen in the first round of the playoffs. Okay, now on to some maybe not-so-good series. You know, the Celtics crushed the Hawks in game one. They led by 32, won by 13. Does Atlanta playing better in the second half and maybe figuring some stuff out? Does that matter the rest of this series? I think what Atlanta did in the second half is they stopped letting Boston get anything that they wanted at the rim. 
Um, I do think that they made some progress in terms of, you know, trying to take a dent on the Celtics in this series. But at the same time, it does feel like they're almost completely unmatched. The way that the Celtics spread that Atlanta Hawks defense out and force guys like Clint Capella and John Collins to try and defend on the perimeter, it just leaves the paint wide open for guys like Jalen Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart to attack. And then when, you know, Capella collapses at the rim, they kick out and the Celtics have five shooters on the floor almost at all times except for when Robert Williams is on the floor. The Hawks are going to have to try and make some adjustments to shore up the paint because, you know, the Celtics almost had more points in the paint than the Hawks had total points at halftime in game one. Um, you know, I think they made the right adjustments on the defensive end in the second half, but are they going to be able to string that together for an entire game? The Hawks weren't able to do it anytime they played the Celtics in the regular season, and I feel like that game, that series looks like it's headed to, you know, Boston either a sweep or a gentleman sweep in five games. And the Sixers, their victory over the Nets never really seemed to be in doubt. The one thing that did stand out to me is that James Harder, uh, James Harden, excuse me, ASU alum, who's not exactly Mr. Playoffs in the past uh, over the years. He had seven threes. Is the fact that he was so good to start a series, is, is that a big deal moving forward after just one game in this series? Yeah, I mean, uh, to me, he felt like the biggest difference maker in game one. He was in complete control the entire game. And, you know, the 76ers, they only got like 23 points from Joel Embiid, which is, for someone who aver- led the league in scoring, averaging 33 a game, that was a relatively quiet game on his end. And it felt like the, the Brooklyn Nets kind of fired everything they could at Philly. I mean, Mikel Bridges was absolutely incredible creating off the dribble. He had 30 points on 18 shots. And you would think that if he had 30 points, you know, the, the uh, Nets would have been able to make that a little bit more competitive, and they were still blown out by 20 in a game where Embiid didn't really have it going. And I think a lot of that credit goes to James Harden, just making sure that everybody was getting touches. I mean, he's one of the greatest playmakers I've ever seen in my time. Uh, he was finding guys like Tobias Harris. Tyrese Maxey had a really good game, and Joel Embiid still got his touches where he needed. So, it, it, again, just completely outmatched. It feels like the 76ers are probably going to be going home. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, the Nets are probably going to be going home in four games. All right, the Nuggets cruised last night against the Wolves. Is there anything the Wolves can do to make this a, a series? That one, to me, felt like you know another example of it just shows how good this Nuggets team is. Nicole Jokic, kind of similar to what I was just saying about Embiid. I mean, he fouled out of the game. He only had 16 points. He only played 28 minutes, and it didn't matter. I mean, the Nuggets just were completely uh, – they completely outmatched the Timberwolves. They just have so many guys that can be you. Jamal Murray, to me, looks like he is all the way back from that ACL injury that he suffered a few years ago. I mean, the shot-making is absolutely incredible, and we saw that last night. He really got going. But, you know, whether it's guys like Contavious Caldwell-Pope or Aaron Gordon, like this Nuggets team, it really does feel like it doesn't matter who's doing the score and who's doing the damage. Jokic doesn't care even though he's the MVP candidate. As long as they win, that's all that matters. And last night, you know, that Wolves team, they almost looked a little bit scared at the moment, um, you know, coming off of a couple tough playing games. Uh, they're trying. They're still trying to figure out at this point in the season how to work Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, into the offense on the same end of the floor. And on top of that, Anthony Edwards is trying to get his shots. It's just kind of a jumbled mess in Minnesota right now. And with how well-oiled the machine the Denver Nuggets are, again, that's another series that I see ending in about five games. So is that really good Nuggets defense or just confusion at the offensive end from the Wolves? (laughs) I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think the Nuggets really looked like they were dialed in defensively last night. Um, And, you know, they at times this season – have been able to do that with guys like Aaron Gordon, who's, you know, a really, really solid defender, and Jokic holds his own down there. And I think that, you know, with how 
fog, the pink that's at times, it almost makes it a little bit easier to defend the Timberwolves because they don't necessarily always have a ton of shooting around the perimeter. So you can kind of pack the paint against guys like Rudy and Carl Anthony Towns. But, you know, would I expect the Timberwolves to be stuck around 80 points the entire series? Probably not because the Nuggets aren't exactly the best defensive team in the league. But I think last night was a good example of them just being more prepared than Minnesota and knowing exactly what they had to do to get the job done. Kyle, this has been great. We'll uh, hopefully use your basketball brain later in the playoffs. Thanks much. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Kyle Irving of the Sporting News. Great stuff there from him.